I'm very excited to share this recording with you guys, which happened at our conference, sasopen.com, with over 100 speakers, all founders of B2B SaaS companies. We have a very high bar for what speakers share on stage, so you're going to enjoy this episode where we dive deep into revenue graphs, real tactics, and real growth metrics. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Anthony. How's it going? Good, good. Why, why would companies want to become a media company? What's the benefit yeah. to that? Um, it's actually a good build off of this last conversation around TikTok. And, you know, I think the, the way consumers are engaging with content is changing. Like we're listening to podcasts like yourselves and, and Jason's was here earlier. Um, we're on TikTok kind of scrolling and watching things. That's just like a change that we're seeing in the world. And yet, when we go back into the office from a content marketing perspective, we're shipping blog posts that are optimized for an algorithm in Google versus optimized for humans that are actually trying to learn something. Um, and so the first, I think, problem set is around just content formats evolving and the B2B kind of team still kind of focused on maybe the last generation of content. But the other challenge behind it is when we do produce often podcasts or TikTok videos or whatever, we're, we're farming them out to what we're kind of calling rented channels. We're farming it out to TikTok, to an algorithm that we don't control. Google, from an SEO perspective, that we don't control. LinkedIn, you know, if anyone's tried like a, including a link on a LinkedIn post and you see a fraction of the impressions you get if you didn't upload like a native video or something to that end, we can't be building our homes on rented land. Um, and so what media companies do really well is they use these emerging content formats, but they're building an owned audience. They're building a direct relationship with their, um, with their audience. And by doing so, they get, um, A, the ability to distribute content directly without the need of an intermediary. Um, B, they get rich engagement data to understand, okay, so which cohorts of my audience are actually interested in these topics or consume content in these formats and through that data, they can monetize and sell, in the media company cases, premium you know, subscriptions or event attendance or courses like, like Chris's business. Um, and of course, for us, SaaS, uh, SaaS licenses at the end of the day. So I think this is, um, you know, B2B marketers look fondly at consumer marketers and say, man, you know, that's the fun thing. Like, I want to do what they're doing. And I think what's really interesting is we're now entering a time that not only will it be a great way to build an engaging brand and build a market and build an audience, but fundamentally in a world where first-party data is the most important currency for marketers, it's actually going to become existential for us to figure out how do we build that direct relationship. And that's really, really important, and, and I think it's a great point because if you're building on a platform, TikTok owns that audience. That's right. LinkedIn owns the audience. Facebook owns the audience. So you should own your audience and have that direct connection, not not be, have some yeah. middleman in the middle that really owns that relationship. Exactly, exactly yeah. right, yeah. Uh, really smart. And I like that, you know, content, yeah. that you're putting out something that's not for the algorithm, it's for, for human consumption. Yeah. It's super important, yeah. the way that they want to engage. Well, it started pre-revenue with Gainsight, mm-hmm. and $100 million. So what do you do as a marketer 
when you're pre-revenue or early stage revenue or a marketing department of, of one probably in the beginning. Yeah. So what are the steps that you take? What does that playbook look like to move from you know, zero to one to two to ten to, yeah? Yeah, so in, in, in my context, just sharing a bit of maybe empathy with founders in the room is this was my first marketing job ever, stepping into Gainsight. Wow. Um, you know, I'd been in product before and, and did some was BDR and then went to product, just random, a whole other talk. But um, I think it starts with understanding your audience, understanding your personas, deeply understanding them, which of course founders have, you know, we, we've obsessed over this as we're building our, our products. Um, and by doing so, we're gaining empathy and we're learning about their needs, right? Um, from the marketing perspective, and, and a lot of that typically comes from the product perspective, and it's driving kind of, you know, feature kind of decision making. But in Gainsight's case, there was this persona that existed called the customer success manager. Um, and we were building software that didn't quite fit into the traditional, like, Gartner, Magic Quadrant type of, type of world. So customer success managers didn't have a platform of choice. They, didn't have, they weren't empowered to actually make a lot of purchasing decisions at the time. And just that name, customer success, there was like a handful of them at Salesforce, but it wasn't this like, I think, widely kind of accepted kind of profession uh, at this point. So I think understanding your persona and then sort of the first principles thing that we did being not, not from trying to be smart or whatever, but just, you know, trying to fake it till I made it as a first time marketer was just like, how can we radically serve this persona? You know, our market is young. No one knows what we do. Our product, we got like maybe, you know, one or two kind of early stage customers. But we know this customer has pain. This persona has pain. We know that there's a hunger for community and belonging and thought leadership and best practices. So can we as a brand just honestly help facilitate that in, in an effort to help serve them? Um, and that's what turned into a few early hypotheses around events and content and these things that ended up kind of, you know, paying off. So is that something that you think was a help or a hindrance, not having that marketing experience slash baggage? I think a help. Um, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I sort of grew up in a world where, professionally, I guess, in which um, a lot of this shift was happening around content and events and thought leadership. Um, you know, I wasn't going to be the best early marketer to come in and have strong conviction on like Google you know, AdWords and how to, how to run a paid campaign and all that. Um, so I think it was good, and it was certainly good for Gainsight, given that that sure. company did not have um, did not have product market fit. If we're being honest, they had kind of like persona market fit. If that makes sense, there was like a persona that was that owned the churn number and didn't have the tools or the voice to make it happen. So, or to to really be be successful. So I think the non traditional way of building that company from a marketing lens, I think, ended up serving the company well. So how did you turn that into an event yeah. and, and really build community around that? I think that's fascinating. Yeah, this was actually something that uh, sounded a lot more controversial, I think, before COVID. Um, but now it's, it's a little bit easier to make some of these bets. Our first bet was to host a conference, which is not something that I would recommend people probably do, at least in the traditional sense. You know, we, um, we went to a meetup for customer success. There was a small like, group on LinkedIn, and they would meet up around the Bay Area. And it wasn't fancy. It was like pizza and beer, you know, whatever kind of a thing. But there was this like feeling when we walked in of like, oh my gosh, I'm finally around other people that think the way I think. They're going through the same challenges I'm going through. And for B2B, I mean, to have something that palpable was something we couldn't ignore. So we said, what if we did that same event that 
they just did, but we've got, we just closed a series A so we can put a little bit of capital behind it. Um, and so we, we picked a date. We somehow talked Jeffrey Moore into keynoting, um, off of like a friends and family discount. We used Jeffrey to convince Aaron Levy from box cause we knew they had a relationship. And then we just went to everyone we knew and said, we're hosting an event all about the customer success industry. Jeffrey Moore and Aaron Levy are going to be there. Do you want to speak? And we built out this like awesome. crazy agenda for a company again, that had like 12 people and, you know, four customers at the time or something to that end. So again, pretty controversial, pretty like, like how practical is that in today's terms? Um, I think it's even easier now because with virtual, you know, we can, we can test this hypothesis. We can, we can say, can we host a digital event and uh, leverage the same tactics? Can we get like one speaker by just like calling in some favors, like asking investors, like flexing the network, um, and use that as an anchor to then test the hypothesis. And I think the key element is making sure that the event is about the best, pra- about the industry and not about our products, because that's the draw. You know, people are there to learn um, uh, in our earliest days. Um, so it, w- it was a very random, weird first principle guess, like let's do an event, but it ended up paying off because we're like, okay, there's something, there's a hunger here around community, there's a hunger here around learning, how can we help feed that as marketers? So how do you build community around software? Yeah. Um, yeah that's, I think that's the piece that is so exciting um, because... Our answer in software, our, our, our like bias or our first knee-jerk reaction is to say, well, we're product-driven. Like, it's all about the product. And that's true. Like, product is, <laughs> it's not a SaaS business unless there's a product. Um, but we for, we've sort of forgotten that there's like human beings on the other side of that login, on the other side of that PO signature. And these are people that, you know, have families and have desires and needs. And, and you know, we're all on this quest to sort of do, you know, better at work and get promoted and all of these types of things. And so um, that sounds maybe like emotional fluff of like a marketer, but like quite honestly, decisions, purchasing decisions are made emotionally. People don't buy what we do. They buy why we do it, right? This is the Simon Sinek um, famous quote. And I think there's a lot of truth there. So I think the sort of counterintuitive response would be, especially in software, if you want to differentiate your brand, don't just build a great product, build a great product for sure. But beyond that, speak to the like, you know, the community, the, the human beings on the other end of your market who are actually trying to solve problems and your product is a big part of that. But the other part is your content and your events and all of these things that sort of wrap around your products to help folks get better at the jobs that they're trying to solve ultimately. And, you know, it's one of those weird things that's good for the community kind of a thing because they're getting, like, here we are all today, like, trying to learn. Um, but it's good for the business. <laughs> it's actually, you know, it's one of those weird things, I think, that, you know, it's both sort of the noble thing to do, but also the profitable thing to do. Really building that tribe around the, around the solution. Yeah. So they find their people. Yeah, totally. Very, very totally. cool. So you're dropped right into the middle of uh, a SaaS company today. Yep. What do you do to start marketing and start driving demand as we're going into some crazy financial times? Yeah, actually, Allison's answer is spot on. But um, you know, I think I, I think understanding your audience as we, as we sort of covered is first, right? Like, okay, so what exactly is the problem that 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 our persona is trying to solve today? And then I think the the weird filter with this year in particular is it can't be this sort of like 
you know, super altruistic, noble thing. Like, it can be over time, but right now, just to like break through the noise and be considered, there's some, every marketer or every kind of buyer is being tasked to do more with less. That's kind of the quote. Efficient growth is sort of like the name of the game right now. So um, I think step one is A, understanding the buyer. Two is maybe looking at the, mar- the positioning and the messaging and saying, okay, are we being too pie in the sky here? Or can, like, can we very much be relevant you know, in the kind of economic reality that we're launching into? And then third, from a team perspective, whether it's in person, whether it's, it's with, with contractors or agencies or partners, um, I, I have the conviction that content is sort of the oxygen of the marketing flywheel. Like without content, marketing doesn't happen. It's how we deliver our message out to the market. It's how we kind of drive that engagement. So I think content is an important role. Demand, you know, unless you're getting the distribution on that content, it's, you know, ultimately it's not going to be seen. Um, and then what was the last one? Because I agreed with it. it Product marketing, of course. Like, like the other risk, of course, is like you hear a talk like this, and you're like, it's all about like thought leadership and conferences. But if that doesn't translate to the product value, then it's all for. Then you are a media company, frankly. Like you're not a software business um, at the end of the day. So, I think it's important to kind of have product marketing then convert all of that. So, if you get a double spend in marketing, double spend in sales, where do you put it? Oof. Um, this year? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, good question. I think, um, that's a really good question. I think that marketing spend has to be really considered this year. I think, you know, the idea of us being able to like do more with less is real. I think you can do a lot of damage in marketing without, so we have, um, you know, we've, we've been in market for about six months, not with a product, but just kind of building our audience. And we've spent $0 on paid. We spent probably outside of the salary of one marketer, you know, $50,000 total, like something along those lines. So, so maybe counterintuitive, but I'd, I'd probably put it in sales like this year. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would, I'd probably like, but that doesn't mean that the team that you have can't deliver, you know, in a sort of creative way to like right, feed right, the sales team. But this year is all about growth. And if you can, if you have sales, you know, the sort of like dollar in, dollar out type of at least aspiration for a sales team of saying, okay, if I hire one more rep, get them productive, we can then get kind of achieve our, the growth goals that we're going for. I'd probably put it in sales. Very cool. Where can we learn more about you and about Audience Plus online? Yeah, so um, if you go to audienceplus.com, you can subscribe there. We're, um, you know, we've got a ton of content that we're producing, newsletters, it's all free, uh, virtual events, um, just to kind of have this discussion with kind of the question we opened with, how can you build an audience um, in an efficient way? Um, and then how, you know, what are the kind of different kind of changing tactics around owned media specifically that are going to help kind of marketing uh, drive forward? Awesome. Thank you, Anthony. Yeah, thank you so much.